Well, last Sunday, we started a series based on a book called Win the Day. It's a book by a guy named Mark Batterson. He's one of our Assemblies of God pastors in Washington, D.C. And uh, if you want the book, we do have, I think, three copies left. Uh, they're $17. That's just our cost. You can also get them on uh, Amazon. I think the ebook is like $9.99. Uh, but it's a really great book that he wrote, and it's about how to win the day. It's about how to live life every day for Christ and accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives. And so we've been talking about our seven habits that we do to help live each day for Christ. And, um, and he gave permission to do this, so we're not stealing anything uh, that's not there. Uh, so last Sunday, we talked about changing our story. We talked about the fact that if your life has been telling a story that you don't like, we can change that. I just say out of curiosity, how many of you grew up in a Christian home? How many of you, if you're at home on live stream, you can you know, wave your hand or put it in the chat. How many of you grew up in a not, not a Christian home? You didn't know Jesus as a kid. Wow. So you guys are able to change your stories, right? Through Christ, through grace, through a new life, you were able to change where your life was going. And that's something that we can all do even as we serve Jesus. We can still change our story. If we don't like where we're at, we can we talked about focusing on him and changing what's written about our lives. And here's a great thing. Some of you, I, I was talking to Linda Shaw this morning. She works for CASA, and we were talking about kids being taken out of their home sometimes and kids who live in abusive situations. Those guys can change their stories for their family coming. Those of you who, who grew up in abused homes or neglected homes, you've changed that story for your family after you, right? We get to change that story. So that's what last week was about. Uh, and, and today, uh, the, some of the teenagers are like, what does kiss the wave mean? I'm going to explain that here in just a moment. We're talking about the second, second thing we talk about, the second habit. It's, it's called kissing the wave. And to get that story, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, there was a preacher named Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he was nicknamed the Prince of Preachers. He was a Baptist, Baptist with a P, Baptist uh, preacher. And he was a fiery guy. Uh, he got, gave his life to Christ at age 15 and he had a special gift for preaching, and he gained a reputation for his, his poetic voice, and uh, sometimes he was a little bit irreverent. He would say things that shocked people, and, uh, but he, lots and lots of people started coming to hear him. And at the age of 19, uh, he started preaching at New Park Street Chapel, and the church could hold 1,200 people, and it was overflowing. At the age of 19, he was preaching over 1,200 people, so he moved churches and, and kept moving buildings. Finally, he rented out London's Royal Surrey Gardens. This is a place that held between 10 and 12,000 people. And he would preach to crowds there every Sunday in this church. And one Sunday in October 19, 1856, he was preaching to 10 to 12,000 people inside, and another 10,000 people were outside trying to get in to hear him. And the night before, he had a dream. And he said he, was just, he just had this heavy feeling that something bad was going to happen. And he didn't know what that meant. And in his, uh, in his biography, he says, I felt an overweighted with a sense of responsibility and filled with a mysterious premonition of some great trial that was shortly going to come to me. On Sunday night, the hall was filled, another 10,000 people waiting outside to hear him. They sang a couple hymns, and then somebody in the congregation screamed, fire, fire, fire. The galleries are giving way. The place is falling. The place is falling down. And, and the crowd just had this mass panic and people trampled one another trying to get out of the hall. And one witness said the cries and shrieks at this point were truly terrific. And so they pressed on. They ran over each other. Uh, they were trodden down. 
There was no fire. Someone just yelled it. But he couldn't keep the peace. Seven people were killed and 28 people were injured in this. Remember, he was a young man. And this catapulted Spurgeon into a, a period of deep depression. He almost quit the ministry. He almost stopped. He says, I refuse to be comforted. Tears were my meat by day and dreams were my terror at night. I felt as though I'd never felt before. My thoughts were like a case of knives cutting my heart in pieces. And so he said, I was broken in pieces all asunder. My thoughts, which admitted me a couple of delights, were like pieces of broken glass cutting and adding misery. So, and then in, uh, the newspapers blamed him for this. And so he went into really deep depression. But he came out of it at one point and he said this. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. What does that mean? It means, guys, we're all going to have trouble in our lives at some point. Now, hopefully, you won't be told you're responsible for the trampling of 30-something people. But we're all going to have hardships that come in our lives at some point. And when we want to grow, when we want to live each day for Christ, sometimes we have to embrace those trials. Because here's the thing, trials are going to come one way or another, right? You're going to back your car into somebody at some, no, somebody else's car, hopefully not a person. You're going to back your car into somebody else's car, right? You're going to put your car in a ditch. You're going to bounce a check. You're going to do something. And then other times we're going to have serious problems come. We're going to have illnesses. We're going to have deaths in our family. We're going to have tragedies happen. And when these things come, we can either say, you know what, I give up, I quit. Or we can say, I'm going to embrace this and learn from this and grow through this. And say, well, where do you see that? <laughs> well, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14, if you would. If you have the YouVersion app downloaded on your phone or your tablets, uh, you can go to the events tab. You go more events and our notes are all there. Um, but Exodus chapter 14 now. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt. And they, uh, last week people told me I kept getting really close to the edge. I just about fell off. I got to be careful. So they escaped Egypt. The Lord did 10 insane plagues and he took down the mightiest nation on earth. The biggest military power. God took that nation down. The Israelites left. And then the Egyptians said, oh, wait a minute. We just lost all our slave labor. So they went and started chasing him. Well, the people of Israel came up to the Red Sea. Enormous sea in front of them, Egyptians coming up behind them. They said, what do we do? They started griping and moaning and saying, Moses, why did you bring us out here just to die in the desert? You could have buried us in Egypt much easier. And Exodus chapter 14, look in verse 13. Now Moses at this point has no idea what he's supposed to do, right? I mean, I'm in charge, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, and most of us in charge feel that way. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just following what the Lord tells me. And this is what he says. Moses told the people in verse 13, don't be what? Afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. This is all spoken in faith because Moses has no idea what is going to happen, right? He says, stand still, watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will what? Fight for you. Just stay calm. Other translations say, hold your peace. Just stay calm. Now, this is a lot easier said than done, right? You got an army and chariots coming at you from behind. You got a sea in front of you. You got no boat, no life jackets, maybe a couple pool floaties. We don't know, right? But they have no idea what's going to happen. He said, just be calm and stand still. 
So what do we do when trials come, when temptations come, when tragedy comes? What do we do? Well, Mark Batterson said, if we want to grow, if we want to continue growing in our relationship with God, sometimes you have to do what Spurgeon said and embrace trouble. Kiss the waves that throw us against the rock of ages. The rock of ages is Jesus. So when things come, what do we do? Well, first thing we do is we face the fear. We face the fear. In other words, we have to acknowledge that this is here. And I'm a little nervous. Put yourself in Moses' shoes. What are we doing, Moses? I don't know. How are we going to get across here? I don't know. (laughs) But we know that God's going to do it, right? So we have to understand that fear is a natural emotion. Fear is a natural emotion. So how do you be brave? What's the secret to being brave? Does it mean your fear leaves? No. What is being brave? It's being afraid and doing it anyway, right? It's being afraid and saying, guys, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to trust God. I don't know how this is going to work, but I know it's going to work because God's going to do it. So courage isn't the lack of fear. Courage is doing something in the face of fear. We have to understand that just because we feel afraid doesn't mean that God is not with us. Just because I feel fear doesn't mean that God left me. It means I'm human. It means you're human. If you have fear, it means you are a normal person because we're all going to face fear at some point. We have to understand that fear is a natural emotion. We have to understand that fear is learned. You know what? When you're born, you have two fears as a kid. You have two fears, falling and loud noises, right? You yell in front of a baby, what do they do? (gasps) And we still do that our entire lives, right? But that's something we were born with. We're born with a fear of falling. Every other fear is what? Learned. I'm going to be very honest with you. I have a fear of roosters. <laughs> right? You know why? I learned to fear roosters. My grandparents had a rooster. It was the devil himself with feathers. His name was Rocky. Rocky lived to torment me. I kid you not, everyone else, all the other grandkids could walk out of the house. He left them alone. I walked outside. This thing went into a chicken attack mode. They have that. It would chase me all over the yard at the farm. I remember one time I fell down. I was running. It was like a horror movie. And I fell down. He ran over me, literally right over my face. I eat chicken all the time. And I think, Rocky, this is your relative. This is for you, right? I probably need counseling, but it's okay. I learned that fear. Other people are like, you're afraid of what? Yeah. If you knew Rocky, you'd be afraid of roosters too, right? So we're born with two fears, but we learn all the others. But guys, here's the thing. If I learn fears, guess what? I can unlearn fears, right? Now, please don't show up at my house with a chicken, all right? Don't. I'll get over it on my own time. I see some of you clicking like, oh, I'm going to drop a rooster in this house. But we can unlearn fear. Part of faith, part of growing in faith is unlearning fear. And instead, replacing that with trust. I know we've taken some of you guys on missions trips overseas, and some of you had an intense fear of flying, right? You overcome it. I, remember we t- I won't say his name, but we took one guy on a missions trip overseas. He's not in this room. We took him. He was terrified of flying. His very first flight was an overseas flight, like 12 hours. The roughest flight I've ever been on. I've flown around the world, I don't know how many times. Roughest slide I've ever been on. And he was like, I'm going to kill you, Pastor. I'm going to kill you, Pastor. I'm going to kill you, Pastor. He almost ripped the arms off his seat. Uh, but he made it. 
And then coming home, he was much better. We can overcome these things. And how do we do that? How do we overcome fear? Well, first, we have to trust God. Our Batterson says, the fear of the Lord is the first step in overcoming faith, or fear. Fear of the Lord is a cure for every other fear. That doesn't mean you're afraid of God. It means you respect him. You trust him. You learn to start trusting in God. And then you start facing fears a little bit at a time. Some of you guys have fears of intimacy because you've been hurt by people in the past. You've learned that fear of opening up to people. How do you do it? You start trusting people in small doses, right? You start trusting people. You start putting yourself out there. Some of us have a fear of the future because we've had so many letdowns and so many frustrations in the past. We start trusting God a little more every time. Some of us are afraid of social situations or rejection or failure. How do you do that? You learn a little at a time. Many of us are afraid to fail. How do you learn to get over that? Well, you fail, right? We fail a lot. We just keep doing that. So we are all fears that we can unlearn. So we understand that fear is natural. Fear is learned. And then we understand that miracles happen in the face of fear. When we start stepping out in faith, facing fear, guess what God does? He shows up. Where do you see that, Pastor? All through the Old Testament, right? All through the New Testament. When the Israelites came to the Red Sea, Moses said, stand your ground, be calm. What happened? God split the sea. Had that ever been done before? God may have practiced a few times. Oh, watch this. You know, but nobody was there to see it. We don't know. But that had never been done. The Israelites walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, and then when the Egyptians got in there, he closed it back up, right? When the Israelites got to the Jordan River, crossing into the Promised Land, he said, priests, you go first. You take the Ark of the Covenant, which represents God's presence. And when did the river stop flowing? When they stepped into the river. They put one foot in, another foot, and then the river stopped. They had to step out in fear and in faith. We see that. When the lady in the New Testament just said, if I can just touch Jesus, I can be healed. How did she get healed? She pushed through the crowd. Even though she was unclean, she wasn't allowed to be there. People were probably pushing her and telling her to leave. She pushed through the crowd. She grabbed Jesus' coat, and she was healed. She took a step of faith. So, guys, in our lives, none of us, you know, we all want to see miracles, right? But none of us ever want to be in a position where we need a miracle. But if we understand that, guys, miracles happen when we're scared, Miracles happen in the face of fear. We have to learn to face those things and step out in those things, right? So we have to face those fears, and that's what Moses said. Hey, don't be afraid. Just watch God rescue you, and he did. And so we're telling you guys, some of you are facing huge things right now in your lives. Stand and watch God move. And I know if I went around the room, you guys could tell incredible stories of when God has come through. In the darkest time, in the most difficult times, you faced those fears and said, I'm going to stand here, I'm going to watch God do something, and he did. So we have to stand our ground. We have to stand our ground. If the Israelites had turned around and run, what would have happened? They'd have been taken right back to Egypt, right? A lot of them would probably died, and the rest of them would have been taken back into Egypt. And so guys, we can't choose when trouble comes into our lives. We can't choose when trouble comes because trouble comes uninvited. Now, sometimes we invite trouble into our lives, right? 
Some of us have those people in our lives we hang out with, and they, we know that they bring trouble with them, and we allow that. Some of us make choices where we allow trouble into our lives because we make bad choices. But a lot of times, trouble comes in uninvited. It's that guy that shows up in your house and doesn't call, doesn't ask, just walks in, right? Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have what? Overcome the world. Jesus said, yeah, you're going to have trouble, but I'm bigger than trouble. And when trouble comes, we have to stand. We can't retreat every time. We can't run back every time. We can't turn around and leave. I remember when I was in middle school, we had a kid on our football team. He was enormous. He was one of these like overgrown seventh graders. I mean, he was just huge kid. And he was a lineman. I remember one time at a football game, he got, he caught a fumble, right? He hit some kid, kid fumbled the ball. He picked it up and he started running to the other end zone and nobody would get in his way. The other team just stood back and said, <laughs> he ran all, I mean, he was the slowest touchdown run ever. Cause he's like, <gasps> but he ran all the way in. Why? Because everybody ran the other direction. Nobody would get in his way. He came to school, he was like a hero, and everybody's like, hey, that was the greatest run ever. And he said, hey, just, nobody wanted to get in my way. We have to understand, we can't run away from trouble. We have to stand our ground. We have to trust. We understand trouble's going to come. Guys, trouble will come. And it's not always because we've done something wrong. Trouble comes because we live in a fallen world. But we can choose how we respond when trouble comes into our lives. We can choose what to do when trouble comes. I can't pick when trouble comes, but when it shows up, I get to pick what I do. I get to choose how I respond. You get to choose how you respond to that. So we can choose to stand like Moses did. He says, don't be afraid, just stand and watch God rescue you today. Or we can choose to be like many of the Israelites and do what? Grumble, complain, moan. What did they say over and over? Oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. Moses said, you were slaves. Yeah, but I had food. You were slaves. How many times have we in our lives started a relationship with God, and when trouble comes, what do we do? We turn around and we go back the other way. Guys, I know so many people, and I I did it too. I gave my life to Christ, and then when troubles came, I went back because I thought, oh, at least I know sin. At least I know I was a slave, yeah, but I walked right back into it, right? And so many times we do that. Instead of just standing and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to respond in faith when trouble comes. We revert back. We take 10 steps back. Don't. We have to understand that trouble will come, but Jesus is bigger. And guys, here's the thing, guys. We're going to have trouble whether we're a Christian or not, right? If we don't have Jesus, we still have trouble. It's still going to be there. At least when we have Christ, we have someone with us in the trouble, in the midst. Remember when David, little David in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David was meant to be king, right? And he was a shepherd. He was out with the sheep. His brothers went into battle, and this big Goliath showed up. He's this huge guy, all bristly and had big armor. And he went out, and he said, hey, I'll fight this guy. And the king gave David his armor, top-of-the-line stuff, right? Like Kevlar body armor, probably not, probably steel. But, I mean, it was top-of-the-line stuff. And David said, I can't fight in this. It's not who I am. So he goes out there with a sling and a rock, And what does he do? He sees this big giant standing there. Does he run away? No. The Bible says he ran towards him. He attacked. And listen to what he said. He said, 
You come at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He could have whined and moaned, oh, I come to see one battle, and it's a giant, and I have to come out and fight him. No, he went to it. He stood in faith. So we can't choose when trouble comes, and we can choose how we respond. Here's the thing, guys. If you get anything else out of this, please understand this. We can choose to embrace the trouble and learn from it. I can choose to embrace the trouble and learn and grow from it. Because when troubles come, when trials come, and we come out the other side, guess what? We're stronger. We've grown through that. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Guys, listen to this. James, this is a brother of Jesus. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? Did James get hit in the head with a rock? What? Consider it what? Joy. Why would you say that? Well, here's what he says. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. For when your endurance is tested, for when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be what? Perfect and complete, needing nothing. What? He's saying when troubles come, our endurance grows, our faith grows, and we become better for it. So he said when troubles come, when your car breaks down, when your kids rebel, rejoice because you're growing in that. So Mark Batterson, the guy who wrote the book, his wife got cancer. She got breast cancer. And in the midst of this cancer, in the midst of this trial, she came across a poem, and it had a line in it that says this. The poem is talking to hardship, and it says this, what have you come to teach me? What have you come to teach me? How powerful is that? So when trouble comes, instead of moaning and whining and reverting back to our old ways and going back into our old life, instead say, what have you come to teach me? James says, consider it an opportunity for joy because your endurance grows, and you become more like Jesus. We call this sanctification. It's a big church word that basically means becoming more like Jesus. So trials help us become more like Jesus. So we have to stand. We have to stand in faith. We stand in faith. So we face fears when troubles come. We face the fear. We stand in faith, and then we... Hold on to our peace. We hold on to the peace of God. Because when we are in the midst of trials, it's hard to remember sometimes who we are and who we are in Christ. So we have to remember the God that we serve. Moses had confidence. He said, hey, just stand still and watch. See God rescue you. How's that going to happen? I have no idea. (laughs) But I trust that he's going to come through. And guys, why did Moses have that faith? God had never split the sea before. God had never split a river before that anyone had seen. How did Moses have that faith? Because he remembered what God did in Egypt. He saw God humble the mightiest nation on earth. He sent plagues of blood and frogs and gnats and darkness and hail and thunder and lightning and fire, right? He saw these things and he remembered the God that did that can do this. Seeing what God had done in the past gave Moses confidence that God would come through again. And so, guys, we've seen God do things in our past, right? If nothing else, we've seen God change us. We've seen God change us from who we used to be into who we are now. 
We've seen God forgive our sins. We've seen him make us new. And if you need stories of faith, guys, find some of these older saints here in our congregation that have been down the road a little longer than you have and ask them. They can tell you some amazing stories. This last spring, we had a ladies' conference here in our church, and Bonnie and Cindy Holbrook gave their testimonies. They told their story to the ladies of what God's done in their lives. And I still have it on the computer. I saved it. Because <laughs> I didn't want to get rid of it. Because it's incredible. Because you know what? I can learn from other people's stories. Right? You can learn from other people's stories. You can say, hey, God did that for you. God can do that in me. Right? God did that in the Old Testament. God is the same God. So he can do that now. So he had seen God come through in the past. So we have to remember what God has done. So we remember the God that we serve, and then we remember what God has said to us. How do I find what God has said to me? This book right here is full of things that God has said to us. This Bible that we have here, this Bible that we have here in our pocket with us all the time, can teach us what God is saying to us. What did he say in Matthew 28, 20? Be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he said, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. Romans 8, 28, he says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Who is called according to his purpose? All of us. And so he says, all things work together for the good. All means what? All. You're tired of hearing me say that, I'm sure. All things means all things. That means good things work together for my good, but it also means hard things work together for my good. It means when the Egyptians are chasing us and we come up against the Red Sea, he's working for my good. Because what did the Israelites do when they got to the other side of the Red Sea? They wrote a song about what God did right there on the spot. And they taught that song to all the generations coming after them so they could remember what God had done here. When the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, they stopped in the middle of the river and they picked up 12 rocks. They represented the 12 families and they made a big pile of rocks. And he says, when your kids come and your grandkids come, they say, what does this pile of rocks mean? You tell them that God stopped this river and we walked across on dry ground. This river was supposed to be a border protecting the people of this land from other armies and we walked right through it. And so some of you guys have those stories. Mom, why do you tell this story? Well, this is what God did in my life. Dad, why do you tell this story? Well, this is what God did here. So remember what God has said to us. Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Everything. Now, that means everything he has called us to do. Right? Everything he's called us to do. And we realize that we can have peace even in the midst of turmoil. We can have peace even in the midst of turmoil. Moses said, hey, stand still. And be ready and watch God do this. You can have peace even when that army is coming up against you. You can have peace even when the stuff around you is falling apart because we know a God who keeps us safe in the middle, right? We can keep, and that's why Spurgeon said, I have to learn to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. I have to learn to embrace trouble and own it and say, I'm here for this. I'm embracing this trouble because God is doing something in me. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And if you're physically able, guys, would you stand? Those of you at home, would you stand up off the couch or the chair or whatever? 
If you're driving, don't. Keep driving. But if you're, the rest of you, stand if you would. I know people tell us they listen while they drive, so, you know, stay there. So some of you today are in the midst of a really good spot. You don't have any troubles coming your way yet that you know of. Some of you here are in the midst of a huge storm in your life. Some of you are in the midst of a real hardship. You say, I need to learn to embrace this. So I'm going to pray this morning, and some of you are here, and you just need to learn to face the fears. Instead of running from them and running back into what we've done, we have to learn to face it and stand. And we have to learn to stand our ground, to stand in faith, to not run. And some of us need to hold on and say, you know what? I'm going to hold on to this peace that God has given me. I'm not going to let this thing take the peace that God has for me. So, Father, I just pray right now all across this room. For everyone who's here, for everyone who's listening online, Father, I pray for all of us today that we would learn to embrace the troubles that come our way and learn from them, to learn what you have for us from these troubles. Lord, I know some of them here, you know, life's pretty good right now. Some listening today are, are just in the midst of a huge trial. Maybe it's a physical thing, maybe it's a marriage thing, maybe it's a work thing, maybe it's a financial thing. God, there's big stuff going on in our lives and we need your peace. We need to hold on to you. We need to learn to embrace these things and hold on to them. So God, I just pray that you would give us faith today to stand our ground and to remember who we serve and to hold on to that peace that you give us. So I'm going to ask you to just take a moment, close your eyes today and, and just kind of shut yourself in with God. And if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I don't have that relationship with God that you're talking about. If, if you're listening online and say, you know, I don't have that relationship with him. I've never asked him to forgive my sins. I've, I've never asked him to make me a new person like you talked about, but I want to do that today. I've been running and I've been running and I really want him to do something in me and I really want to start this relationship with him. I want to ask all of us here to, to say a prayer together and this is just simply us talking to God. And if you say this prayer and you really mean this, the Bible says that God makes you a brand new person. It forgives all that junk, all the things that we drag with us all the time are gone and we're new inside. So I'm going to ask you to say this with me, all of you here, all of you at home. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me even when I was unlovable. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying in my place so I could be forgiven. So I admit that I've messed up. I've sinned. Please forgive me. Take all this away and make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer that he's forgiven all that stuff and you're brand new. That's an amazing thing. So I'm going to ask you guys today, if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I just need to, to face some fears in my life. There's just stuff going on and I just need to face that today. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are? We want to pray with you today. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I need to learn to stand. I, need, I want to quit running from this stuff and I want to stand in faith. If that's you, see your hands. I just want to pray together. And last, if you say, you know what, I just need peace. There's so much junk going on in my life. I just need God's peace right now. We're going to pray together. So Father, right now, I just pray for all these who raise their hands today. God, whether they need to learn to, to face the fears and stop running, or maybe they need to stand and 
stand firm in who they are in you and know who they are in you, or maybe they just need your peace to surround them today. God, would you do that today? Would you do the stuff that only you can do to bring the peace that only you can bring? Father, would you fill us with hope and with peace and help us to stand our ground and to learn and to embrace the trouble that comes, not because we like it, because we don't, but Lord, we want to learn from it. We want to grow from it. And if we're going to change our lives and change our stories, Lord, we've got to be able to stand in our faith. And Lord, help us to do that today, we pray in Jesus' name.